Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Like some food for thought? Tune in to Radical Philosophy with discussions on freedom, happiness, knowledge, evil and rational argument. With words from Hawthorne, Tatman, Jenkins, Hutchinson, Hirsi Ali and Plumwood. Let's get radical about philosophy. I have Dr Penny Rush on the line who has done some extensive research into logic and reason and has taught in the philosophy department at the University of Tasmania and La Trobe University. Welcome to the program, Penny. Hi. Um, now, what's your definition of logic? Uh, well, that's actually a very tricky question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think um, the usual definitions that are given or the, or the way people tend to think of logic as kind of a model of correct reason, I think those are a little bit wrong. I think actually it's, it's more correct to think of logic as a mathematical system and it has interesting mathematical properties and relationships. It's a formal language. It's got a uh, deductive system or a, um, a property uh, that's called entailment or a deductive property where you can infer something from something else. Um, and it has a, usually a semantics that's a kind of interpretation of that system. But it's probably better to think of it as a mathematical structure or system than... Um, automatically the default position that we tend to think of it as a model of correct human reason. So it's a little hard to define logic and it's something that I've been thinking about for quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's the difference between formal and informal logic? Um, well, formal logic has sort of come out of the original kind of modern logic has been an attempt to model what goes on in mathematical reasoning and even to try and reduce all mathematics to a logical structure. And <clears throat> sorry, uh, that, that is, is all the logics that have sort of come out of that kind of system and that formal study uh, thought of as generally f- formal logic. Informal logic tries more seriously to try and capture what actually goes on in natural language. So it focuses more on the way we speak and the way we believe as humans and human reasoners. So it, it focuses more particularly on um, arguments in everyday language or um, our, our conversations and our um, general everyday situations like um, might be in legal situations or it might be talking about um, reasoning that we see on, on, the, on the news or something like that. It's, it's more embedded in and more focused on everyday situations. Right, so how, how do we use logic in our everyday lives? <clears throat> well, that's also an interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because when I teach critical thinking, I teach it fairly traditionally, and that's to use a, a classical logic kind of structure. Classical logic is the structure we tend to um, teach mostly. It's like the basic structure from which other logics have been inspired and the one that was originated to underpin mathematics. And in classical logic teaches a lot of um, 
ways that we generally think of as, oh yeah, that seems like a reasonable way of thinking about truths and, and generalising across meanings. So we teach that as, as a critical thinking kind of rule of thumb thing to use in everyday life. So in an argument you should use this kind of logical rule or not do this kind of logical fallacy. But <laughs> there are lots of ways um, and lots of cases, particular really glaring cases where classical logic just does not capture the way that we ought to reason or the way that we do reason. So there's a classical logic rule that says, um, and it seems fairly reasonable when I say it, it says that if I can believe A or B, or some, one thing or another thing, and I decide to discover that one of them's false, then the other one's true. So in other words, if, um, if I buried the one example from the literature, I think it is, so if I buried the tulip bulbs either there or there, and I didn't bury them there, then they must be in that second place. But actually that doesn't work all the time. So, like, if I, if I can believe A or B, well, B might be irrelevant to A. The, the second thing might actually be something that's just a random thought that I had, and then if I discover the first thing's incorrect, it doesn't mean I can say the second thing's true. So, because the second, the second part of an or, I can say, well, A is true, or anything's true. That's no matter what it is, I can say that. But they might not be related enough. There might not be the case that if one's not true, then the other is. So there's all these caveats that that doesn't work in, in everyday reasoning, but it's a, it's a classical logic rule. And hmm. the same with quantum mechanics. Um, there's lots of situations where logic doesn't model the world that we're in on the very small or the very large, so quantum or relative relativity theory so it's 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 a big problem of how and where exactly it's a good kind of rule of thumb to use um in everyday argument Uh uh-huh so look if you knew the basics of logic and reason um would that be assistance um to you when you're engaging in a lively debate with someone um Again, only to a limited extent, I think. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would sort of give people a reason to go out and study logic and reason. It's like, you know, I'm going to win all these debates that I have with people. So it's, that's real, not really a good reason to study reason? <laughs> no, and in fact, a lot of the stuff that we've taught are, um, are officially fallacies or officially logically incorrect ways of of thinking or reasoning turn out to not actually be true, not, not incorrect ways of reasoning. But they're true in the logical system and considered as a mathematical object and a, a special structure that studies, perhaps it's studying something like generalised or abstract truth and falsity or meanings or even inconsistencies or um, when we don't know if something's true or false, so a gap in our knowledge. Studying those kind of situations in an abstract, generalised way is really interesting and important for its own sake, and it helps us think, and helps us think clearly, just like studying maths does. But that does not mean that it's a structure that's like some kind of gold standard that always will help win an argument or always will help us um, draw even the right belief in a given situation. So it looks like there's kind of a divergence happening now where... There's more um, work being done on uh, modelling the way that we actually form beliefs and it turns out to be more of a probabilistic kind of structure that can model that more than a logical one. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, quite a, it's, it's easy for us to fall back and go, that's not logical. But what we actually mean when we say that is, is a bit of an open question and it's a bit of an open question whether logic is actually capturing what we mean when we're trying to appeal 
to rationality or to reasonably forming beliefs in a given situation. Mm, so what, what's the connection between philosophical logic and natural language? Well, philosophical logic could be thought of as kind of a, um, a special case of informal logic in a way, except I suppose its special focus is usually on um, philosophical questions, so questions that are more uh, of interest to uh, philosophers or people who have special interest in the philosophical tangles and problems, so truth and and meaning and and things like that. So it does focus on natural language, but its its remit is sort of um, more with the technical aspects of philosophical problems, less than um, where where uh, informal logic is more focused on natural like uh, natural language. Um, although it does, it does have that connection between logic and natural natural language, but it does use logic to address a philosophical problem. Mm, so th- there seems to be more of a sort of a mathematical formula behind logic than there, than there is to reason. Would that, that be correct? Well, I think probably the best way to put it is that logic is definitely can be considered as a mathematical structure and even a, a logic languages and logic structures can be considered as mathematical objects in the same way we consider like the number structure, number theory, um, or the continuum as a mathematical object. And it's interesting and important in its own right because it, because it can be considered that way and relationships between logic and between other structures like mathematical structures and scientific structures are really important, including the relationship between um, logic and, and the structure of reason and the way that we reason. But, yeah, the way that we reason turns out, I think, on close examination, <laughs> to be quite a different thing. So, so we're, from our perspective and our forming of beliefs and our finding our way around the world is a different thing to considering, well, what if um, we generalised across the notion of truth and across the notion of meaning and we asked about when um, some truth is contained in another or when some truth entails another or a meaning contains another. That's what logic is concerned about. So those two things turning out to me anyway, from when I read, to be quite divergent. And whether, they, whether logic can catch up a bit and start to um, get more, more and more sophisticated models for human reason is, is a bit of an open question as well. That's, it's, there's sort of two fields at the moment that are trying to do that and whether logic is going to come up with the best mm-hmm. sort of solution or whether it's going to be some kind of probabilistic um, mathematical structure that best captures our reason um, and, and hence also tells us how to reason best is kind of yet to be determined. Right. It's quite amazing because these, um, these subjects have been studied for literally decades and decades, but it, it seems like, um, you know, it, it's like it's, it's almost just begun, really, the, the search for the real, you know, sort of meaning behind these words. Well, yeah, for a long time, because um, classical logic was so interesting and so, it works so well, it works so well um, in kind of abstracted formal arguments and those formal arguments look like arguments that we do um, engage in in everyday life and you can actually analyse everyday arguments using a logical structure and that that seemed to work all really quite well for quite a long time and it wasn't until quite recently and it's sort of most of this movement started a lot of it started in Australia that logicians actually started going hang on when we apply that rule you know the 
the A or B rule that I was talking about before, or then there, there was the quantum mechanics also threw things out of whack. There were some logical rules that just did not get it right in that, those situations. It's not always right. And if logical rules aren't always right, then all the claims that we had been making of logic, you know, that they're the right way to reason and the right way to think, they're always right, they're infallible in a certain particular way, given the meanings of the, the logical connections, well, then what is, what is it that, um, what's going wrong? So then that's when all, a whole lot of different logics started to come out. So we've got logics that allow situations where we don't know something's true or false, and we've got logics that allow where something might be true and false at the same time. And that's getting closer and closer to the sorts of situations we might encounter in everyday life. But whether that's getting closer and closer to the way that we then um, can correctly reason, and there's two kinds of ways that we reason. We reason slowly and thoughtfully, and we also have to reason on the fly. Sometimes we have to reason really fast. So again, there might be two different models for those situations. So yeah, it is, it is a relatively new um, phenomenon that people are exploring uh, exactly... Well, they're exploring more and more of the mathematical structures of logic at the same time as exploring more and more of the ways that it can capture different nuances in either the way that we reason or the way that truth and falsity or meanings um, interact with one another. Right. Could you connect that to, you know, when a friend sort of says, oh, what, what do you think of my new haircut? And I say, oh, look, it looks really good. But I'm actually thinking on the inside, oh, it looks really awful. But, um, and then, you know, I might have commented to someone, oh, geez, that was an awful haircut they had. And then somehow it's gotten back to them and then they questioned me on it. But I said, look, you know, I thought it looked really good in comparison to, say, for example, the last haircut you had. So it, it really wasn't, it, it really wasn't a truth, but it really wasn't a lie. It's sort of in that grey area. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so could that be sort of like, a comparison absolutely yeah and that's what a lot of people are drawing um our attention to now that logic hasn't been very good at handling degrees of belief or kind of those uh where one belief sort of supplants another where we've got some reason to knock off a belief even though it might be true we're not going to use it in that, that particular way at that particular time and all of that seems to be much more like um subjective or probabilistic or su- sort of um, involving our value system as well. Our psychological values come into it. Um, utility comes into it. What's going to work best in this situation? So degrees of belief, subjective probability and, and values and all those sorts of things are definitely part of a, a rational belief-forming system. But again, logic does not seem at this stage to be the best sort of structure to handle those kinds of things that go on when we rationally form um, beliefs. So, would would you say there are any logical truths? <laughs> <laughs> I think there are, because I'm an optimist. I think that that what logic studies is real and and objectively, independently real. I think that about mathematics as well. I just don't think that it's likely to be the best model of the way that we ought to reason necessarily unless we're reasoning about that particular reality. So if we're reasoning about abstracted truths or gaps in truth or um, inconsistencies generalised and abstracted, then then yes, so that's probably the way we ought to reason there, just like if we're talking about the mathematical structure of a thing, then we should be thinking mathematically. But um, <laughs> which truths there are and, and, and where they hold 
are important questions. So uh, generally logical truths are thought to be things that they hold no matter what the non-logical um, parts of that truth are. So it doesn't matter what you substitute into the structure of a, a logical truth, it's always going to be true. And they used to think things like um, something's true or it's not true is a logical truth. So um, P or not P or A or not A. No matter what you substitute into that, um, you know, something's a dog or it's not a dog, right? Mm-hmm. That was held as a logical truth. But now they're thinking, no, because that actually doesn't model what goes on in um, the real world. We actually do entertain things as they probably might be, in a way, true and false at the same time. And maybe not in a strict way, maybe in a strict way. And, and when you look at also uh, the very small domains, like the quantum domains, it doesn't seem to be... It's not a, it's not a good model to hold that sort of black or white has to be true or false in the in your mind it doesn't actually model the situation very well at all so that was one of the like oh that's what, if anything's the logical truth that is um and it turns out not to be so <laughs> <laughs> so what they are is tricky but i do think there are some just in the same way that i think what logic is studying is real so i think there there is a real way things are but it's not um necessarily meaning that we've got it right just now and we know exactly what they are uh-huh. So what's your own position on reason? Um, <clears throat> uh, where you mean like the relationship between reason and logic? Yes, yeah. Yeah, I, I think we've got to be really careful um, from what I've been saying uh, so far, that logic and reason are related, just like reason and maths are related, and probably in a similar way. So... It's quite dangerous. I think it's quite misleading to think of logic as as like a gold standard or a particular norm for correct reasoning. And it's also a bit strange, I think, that we've come to think of logic as the way that we think. So a lot of logicians and a lot of um, writers, and particularly in critical thinking, they say, oh, logic is the way that we think, but abstracted on on." you know, taken to an nth degree and, and we go, oh, here's how it should be because this is how the way that we think. Well, I think if we did that with any other kind of field, we would end up in a bit of a tangle going, well, what, what else is it? Like, it's also maybe the way things are or the way it's, it's describing a structure that's not necessarily the inside of our own head. If we say whatever's the, the way um, the inside of our own head works... Yeah. <laughs> is, is the truth like we say oh the logic is the way we think or the way we ought to think that's automatically uh, classing logic as dependent on us it's like almost constructed by us like built up this this structure has come from us in the way that our own language does um, or our social structures and I don't think logic is a social structure or it's not automatically best thought of as a social structure so when we look at maths, we ask that question and we ask it sensibly. We go, did we invent maths or did we discover maths? And I think we need to ask the same question about logic. Is logic something that we invented and, and you know, hence that's why it works so well for reason in some situations that we thought it did? Or do we discover logic in a, in a way that we kind of discover um, mathematical structures? So, yeah, I don't think... <laughs> I think its relationship to reason is, is really important because it's, just, it's discussing really important um, parts of reality and it's discussing an important abstract structure that is important for us when we're considering truths and the way um, things interact on an entailment relation. That's what logic deals with. But that does not mean <laughs> mm-hmm. that it is 
reason, yeah. Right, uh-huh. So you, you mentioned there that um, logic and reason is connected to social structure. So would um, cultural influences have an effect on logic and reason of people, say, uh, living in different parts of the world, do you think? I think so, yeah. And I think our perception of what logic is and the role it plays and um, well, definitely what, what is rational probably can change across different societies and across different times. And we can think of logic... Um, we can, you could sort of think of reason and reason considered abstractly as one thing that's interesting and it may be even an aspect of logic or the way logic's taught might be tied up with that. But then the actual mathematical structures that are studied that are, that are called logic and that are quite formal, they probably don't change much across societies. That's, that's just like maths as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, so there's movement on some areas, but um, other things are, are quite fixed. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, all right. Well, thank you very much for your time today. No worries.